Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. We've got a free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. It's a great study guide, great refresher. Uh, simply an email uh, is all it'll take to get access to that. Uh, we also get you updates when we've got other content available as well. So uh, please go take advantage of that at reallifepharmacology.com. All right, the drug of the day today is insulin aspart. Brand names of this medication, uh, Novolog is the one I've heard the most. Uh, Fiosp is also a, a slightly newer variation um, on that uh, medication insulin aspart as well. So these medications are both rapid-acting insulins. Um, just want to mention briefly the difference between Fiosp and Novolog. Uh, so Fiosp works slightly quicker. It has a slightly quicker onset. And uh, the reason for that is it's uh, essentially tied up to vitamin B3. Your vitamin B3 is added to the formulation. Uh, and that helps aid the quickness of the absorption. So again, very, very slight difference. Um, but it does lead to an important point that these two medications are not considered uh, interchangeable. Uh, so definitely, if you're switching from one to the other, uh, you should pay attention, you should educate your patients uh, that we do have a little bit quicker onset, and that may uh, alter the way the medication is administered a little bit as well as far as the timing with meals and things of that nature. So uh, with that said, uh, insulin aspart used in type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, um, Diabetic ketoacidosis, it, it can be used potentially in um, generally more mild to moderate um, cases. Uh, severe cases, we're probably using uh, regular IV insulin, which has been a little bit more studied and, um, yeah, a little bit more more background, I guess, in, in that area there. Uh, mechanistically, how does insulin work? Um, I'm not going to go through all the numerous mechanisms of action, uh, probably the one that you'll hear the most uh, in how it reduces blood sugar uh, is its action in the liver. So the liver uh, basically produces glycogen, which is basically a storage form of glucose. Uh, insulin uh, promotes that activity or stimulates that activity of uh, building up those glycogen uh, stores and storing glucose. So the liver naturally wants, needs more glucose to do that, and it takes it out of the bloodstream. Hence, it reduces blood sugar. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, administration. So first and foremost, a few uh, common things that, that should be noted. Uh, solution is generally going to be uh, clear or colorless. If it's not, uh, that is an issue and potentially could be um, uh noted as, you know, the product's gone bad or, or there's something wrong with it. So again, clear, colorless, uh, avoid giving the administration cold out of the fridge. Um, subcutaneous is the uh, standard route of administration. Most patients use the abdomen. Um, thigh and upper arms are uh, appropriate locations there as well. Uh, with that administration and also tying that in with the uh, kinetics, I mentioned FIOSP being a little bit quicker. 
um, that's recommended to be given at the beginning of the meal or within 20 minutes of starting that meal. Novolog uh, is recommended to be given 5 to 10 minutes before a meal. So that's the general recommendations. Now, I've certainly had patients do it a variety of different ways, um, but if we start straying a little bit too far um, in those situations, uh, naturally that's going to kind of impact the kinetics and when the spike in that, that insulin and when the action uh, takes place. So really got to pay attention to that, discuss that with patients, um, making sure that, that we're having some uh, consistency there and looking at those blood sugars and, and seeing uh, how they're, they're responding. Uh, injection sites, uh, I did want to mention that as well. Um, so within the abdomen, uh, it is recommended to kind of move those spots around. You don't want to use uh, the same exact location in the abdomen uh, all the time. That's to avoid uh, lipoatrophy. Um, so again, remember to to kind of rotate those sites uh, within the, the site that the uh, patient is, is using there. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of storage and beyond use dating. Um, however, if you're interested in that, I've got an uh, absolutely free PDF. doesn't cost you anything. Um, Google search MedEd 101 insulin storage PDF, and it should pull right in for you, and you can get that free PDF, uh, which goes through uh, all the different insulins and storage and things of that nature. So uh, definitely go check that out. Again, insulin storage MedEd 101 PDF. Um, punch that into Google and, and you should find it no problem there. All right, let's get into adverse drug reactions. So as you can imagine, um, hypoglycemia is the big risk with insulin therapy in general and of course with insulin aspart as well. Um, I've seen numerous instances where you know patients have uh, kind of changed their diet or their eating patterns or maybe they're not feeling well. Uh, or we've made a mistake in the dosing and given too much. Um, all this can potentially lead to the increased risk of hypoglycemia. Uh, insulin aspart is in the beers criteria for potentially inappropriate medications in the elderly, um, but it's in relation to specific situations. Uh, so the major situation that we should generally avoid using insulin aspart is in sliding scale insulin. So that's basically giving insulin based upon uh, the blood sugar at the time. So it increases the risk for hypoglycemia. And in addition to that, we really don't have much evidence that shows that it really helps uh, hyperglycemia and A1C management uh, really at all. So um, again, don't use it for sliding scale insulin if at all possible. I certainly have seen it. Um, if it is used, hopefully it's for a very, very short amount of time uh, when we can figure out their schedules and schedule that insulin appropriately. Um, also avoid monotherapy with rapid acting subcutaneous insulin. Okay, That is also another recommendation uh, with that uh, Beers criteria kind of warning or precaution. Other adverse effects, uh, weight gain. So hypoglycemia and weight gain, those are the two biggies with insulin therapy. Uh, injection site reaction can certainly happen. Um, hypokalemia, so low potassium. Uh, if you remember in hyperkalemia, insulin is actually a, a treatment. Now, usually it's 
um, more so in the hospital setting, and we're using IV insulin. Um, but insulin itself, uh, all insulins can cause um, the uh, intracellular shift of potassium, which brings it out of the blood uh, and ultimately reduces that serum potassium level. So again, on a, on a chronic basis, it's generally not something I'm crazy concerned about. But if you have you know, maybe a patient that used an inappropriately high dose or there was an error or something, uh, that could definitely increase that risk significantly if it was a significant amount of, of insulin. All right, monitoring parameters, uh, definitely wanted to mention that. Uh, A1C, blood sugars, uh, weight, uh, kind of common monitoring parameters there. Uh, just a, re- a reminder of general goals, uh, definitely something that could come up on, on board exams throughout your career. Um, currently with ADA, uh, we're looking at A1C of less than 7 for most adults. Um, preprandial or before meals um, or f- fasting, we're usually looking in the 80 to 130 range as a target goal. And again, this can vary um, depending upon the, the patient. Uh, we like to try to set individualized goals, but that's kind of the general range. Uh, postprandial, uh, we generally want to target less than, than 180. Uh, in pregnancy, I wanted to mention that as well. It's kind of a, a unique case. Um, generally, less than 95 is recommended by guidelines for fasting uh, blood sugar, and less than 140 at one hour uh, postprandial is ideal or recommended uh, in pregnancy. Again, probably going to have some individualized goals there depending upon the patient, depending upon uh, where they're at and where they've been coming and going, um, but those are some good reminders uh, from the guidelines there. Last but not least, I wanted to mention insulin is a high alert medication. Okay, It's a high-risk medication. Um, I've seen numerous issues, numerous errors where we're off on the dose and you know, whether it be, you know, a handwriting issue or an order entry issue, um, it can easily happen where a patient gets 20 units when they should have got two units or 30 units instead of three. So those tenfold errors can definitely happen with insulin. Um, I've seen it. It's definitely unfortunate. It's definitely scary if you're the one who've, who administered it or if you wrote for the dose or whatever the case may be. Um, so really, really pay attention um, to those dosages. And if something doesn't make sense, be sure you ask, double, triple check, um, making sure that what we're doing is the right thing for the patient. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and I'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, NAPLEX, ambulatory care, geriatrics, MTM, Go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've got a great list of resources there. Uh, in addition to those pharmacist board certification study materials, uh, we've got books on various topics, whether you're looking for a little entertainment with education, with crossword puzzle books, uh, if you're looking for case studies, if you're looking for drug interactions, if you're looking for food medication interactions, uh, we've got all sorts of different options. And all those links you can find uh, at meded101.com slash store. All right, let's wrap up with drug interactions. So first and foremost, I'm looking out for hypoglycemia. So anytime we add another diabetes type agent, uh, we've got to pay attention for that increased risk of hypoglycemia. 
Uh, beta blockers I wanted to mention specifically, they can mask some of the signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia. Uh, weight gain. So that can certainly be an, an additive issue. Um, I think of pioglitazone, for example, for you know treating somebody with type 2 diabetes and they're on pioglitazone and insulin. Uh, that can definitely increase the risk for weight gain. Uh, and then I do think about antibiotics. Uh, some antibiotics specifically, um, quinolones, have been associated with causing some hypoglycemia in patients taking insulin. Um, but in general, I when I see new antibiotics in a patient uh, taking insulin therapy, um, I worry about hypoglycemia and making sure patients are staying on track uh, with their blood sugar monitoring. Um, the reason being, when patients are getting antibiotics, they generally don't feel that well. And so their diet has changed, their body is under um, varying amounts of stress. So really, really important to monitor those blood sugars when we're starting um, you know, new medications and a patient has an infection uh, going on there. Uh, and then last but not least, um, wanted to mention corticosteroids. They can cause some significant hyperglycemia and kind of counteract what we're trying to do with the insulin. Uh, and to a lesser extent, thiazide diuretics um, have been shown to cause some hyperglycemia as well. But in my experience, definitely not near as significant as uh, corticosteroids like prednisone. All right, well, that wraps up the podcast for today. Do me a huge favor, leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, share us with you know colleagues, listserv, pharmacy students, med students, nursing students. Um, definitely help spread the word on pharmacology education and share this podcast with them. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you got comments, questions, mededucation101 at gmail.com, or you can track me down on LinkedIn as well. Uh, hopefully you found uh, some good practice pearls or I rejogged your memory of some things maybe you had forgotten. Uh, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.